Morning. Morning. Oh man, that was good. Man, even though even though Gary, what you said, maybe we're missing a few people. That was strong. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to gather and worship this morning. I'm glad that you're here on this day after Christmas. And so if you got your Bibles with you, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be going uh, to uh, two places specifically. So the first will be is Proverbs chapter 4, and then uh, take a finger and put it in Matthew chapter 15. And uh, keep your place in Matthew chapter 15, and we'll turn there a little uh, later in the service. And so, uh, raise your hand real quick. I guess Gary took a poll, so I'm going to take another one. Has anyone ever used or heard the phrase game changer before? Anybody? Yes, no? Okay, so most of us, right? The dictionary definition of game changer, Webster's Dictionary says this, it's a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. So, simply put, game changers are moments, maybe in our lives, that redefine an outcome. Moments in our lives that redefine an outcome. And you could think maybe there have been several game changers for you over the course of your life that have uh, really kind of redefined the course of your life in some way. The biggest game changer for me so far. Four months ago in August, I got married, and now I have it all figured out. I got this marriage thing completely and utterly figured out in four months, right? Why are you laughing? Come on, you know I've got this thing figured out. That's a joke, obviously, but if you think about your life, you can think back to game changers that have taken place, right, that have redefined your life. There have been many game changers throughout the course of history, big ones, maybe like the space shuttle or uh, the Ford Model T. Computers, cell phone, the age of the internet, central AC and heat, hallelujah, right? We live in Texas. But then maybe there's those everyday game changers that we don't always think about, like the TV remote. Thank goodness there's no more getting up off the couch to have to change the TV channel, right? Or the push-button start on cars, right? We don't have to do the arduous activity of pulling our key out of our pocket and putting it in the ignition and turning it on, right? Or, you know... Maybe the, the one you've had the most interaction with maybe over the past month or so, Amazon two-day shipping. Hallelujah, right? And so um, if you think about it, this weekend, yesterday, this whole month, we've celebrated the biggest game changer in all of world history. Amen? The birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And this morning, I want us to look at specifically a game changer, but maybe not in the way that we're thinking of, because this is a game changer that each of us already possesses. It's something that we have. And that game changer I want us to look at as we kind of wrap up this Christmas season, the game changer I want us to look at specifically this morning is our heart. The heart that each and every one of us has, and that's why I want us to first look in your Bibles with me at Proverbs chapter 4, and you know this verse, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. This one proverb is is short but simple, but I'm most captured by uh, these simple words, these three words, above all else. Scripture here is referring obviously to our spiritual heart, which is much different than our physical blood-pumping heart. But the similarities between the two are too hard to miss, and they are too obvious to ignore. With the physical heart, obviously you can't see it, but it's essential to living. 
It's behind the scenes, keeping our body running day after day. We can't live without a heart, but we can think about we can live without a limb, maybe, right? We can live without a limb. There's a movie called 127 Hours. Actor James Franco plays the role of a mountain climber, true story, gets trapped and cuts off his own arm and hikes out to safety. A limb is completely negotiable. There's a high school basketball player I've seen on ESPN today that's one of the top recruits in the nation, and he only has one arm. You can look him up. He's, it's incredible, right? Limbs are totally negotiable, maybe an arm, but a heart is totally essential. And it, when it comes to our spiritual heart, our heart is the game changer because it determines largely the course of our life. When we think about our physical bodies, they're very, they're very complex, but there's some predictable things that can happen with the human body. For example, if we constantly eat unhealthy food and junk food and sugar and all these things, we'll very quickly probably find ourselves in need of some help. It's very predictable. When the heart, our physical heart, is diseased or bad or unhealthy, it reveals itself in very noticeable ways, right? Lack of energy, shortness of breath, tightness in our chest, indigestion, all these specific signs of an unhealthy physical heart. But for our spiritual life, if we have a weak spiritual heart, it'll also show symptoms. Our spiritual heart, we may not have the symptoms of shortness of breath, but we may have a shortness of love. We may not lack energy, but we may lack compassion. We may not have a tightness in our chest, but there will be a tightness of our generosity. We may not feel physically numb, but we may be numb to God's presence in our lives. If we really want to evaluate the spiritual condition of our heart, maybe we should watch what happens when things don't quite go our way. You know, you know those little annoying moments in your day when things really don't go your way and maybe the true condition of our heart is revealed? I don't, for me, oftentimes it mind rears up uh, when I'm in traffic. I cannot stand traffic because I'm the one that knows how to drive way better than everybody else on the road does, right? And then, you know, somebody cuts me off or doesn't stop fully at a stop sign or whatever you may be, and that lack and that unhealthy heart rears its ugly head. I'm not alone, am I? Maybe you find that, maybe not in that same way in the car, but other ways in your life. So let's turn again to Matthew chapter 15. Like I said earlier, Matthew chapter 15, we're going to see Jesus have an interaction with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of uh, the day, and he's really going to be talking about, they're talking about several things, but I want to focus on what Jesus talks about, says about our heart in these few verses. So Matthew chapter 15, and we'll just start in verse 1. We're going to stop and start uh, here and there. The Bible says, starting in verse 1, then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem who asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. So let's, let's just stop there. Let's, let's make sure we know contextually where we are in the day. A Pharisee was someone who was dis distinguished by strict observance to religious laws. 
And this scene that we're, we see here in Matthew chapter 15 was a common uh, place for Jesus to find himself. Religious, re- these religious leaders were trying to catch him saying something uh, that would be worthy of allegations. They wanted to get Jesus to admit to breaking the law, right, so they could discredit him. And so Jesus wasn't breaking God's law, but he was breaking, he didn't keep these human-made rules that these religious leaders had made, had created. And so if this is God's law, if God's law is over here, then the Pharisees would insert uh, different traditions and, and maybe stop sign rituals before you had an opportunity to break God's law. And so uh, back to the, the Pharisees' hand-washing question and specifically, in the Old Testament, God instructed the priest to stay ceremonial cleansed. Uh, You can see that in Leviticus chapter 22. Every time a priest ate, he was to wash his hands from the tips of his hands all the way down to his elbows to make sure that he didn't put anything impure uh, into his mouth that might defile him. And so as time went by, religious leaders decided maybe everyone should do this, right? Not, Not just the priests. So they came up with a tradition of ceremonial hand washing for everyone. But Jesus didn't go along with this human tradition. And then look, let's skip down a bit in Jesus' response. Look at verse 7 of chapter 15. Jesus says to these religious leaders, Hypocrites, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. When we look at the Greek word hypocrite there, it had its origin, the, the Greek word for hypocrite had, it or, had its origin in Greek theater, describing a character who wore a mask. And Jesus essentially here, he's telling these Pharisees, you pretend that your heart is near to me, but it's distant. This ritualism that you have created for yourself does not bring intimacy with God. And then he, he skips, let's skip down a little bit farther. Go to verse 16 in chapter 15. He addresses their hand washing protest finally. He says, Do you still lack understanding? He asked. Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a person. So Jesus, we see here in our spiritual life, it's not our dirty hands that defile us. It's what comes out of our mouth and defiles us. Because what comes out of our mouth, the words that we speak, were birthed and they grew in our heart. You, you can think about this in your, in your own life when, when we say something maybe hurtful or mean or anything like that, and, and then you maybe catch yourself saying, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> You've done that before maybe? I didn't, I didn't mean to say that. Sometimes maybe we should say, well, actually, I didn't mean to say that out loud. You've seen this before. Oh, I, I don't know where that came from. And God says, I do, because it came from your heart. You've just got really good at covering it up, but God knows what each and every one of our hearts looks like. 
We can fool everybody else. We can fool everyone around us all day long, but God is not fooled about the condition of our hearts. Hebrews 4.13, you know this verse, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Every, everyone is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. God sees it all. God sees the heart. He has access to the heart. He has the behind-the-scenes look at how each and every one of our hearts are. We can, foes, we can fool everyone around us every single day. We can fool everyone. We can put on that mask. But before God, He sees it all. Our heart, like the Scripture said, is naked and exposed before Christ. And this is the only time in the Bible, believe it or not, that the word exposed is actually used. And so, look, continue in, uh, look with me, let's continue in verse 19. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, and slander. These are the things that defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. That's quite a list Jesus gives, gives the disciples here, isn't it? That's quite a list. Murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slanders. You can kind of keep, keep the list going on and on and on. From the heart, Jesus shows us, comes these evil thoughts. If we go with Jesus' list, murder comes from anger stored in our heart. Adultery, sexual immorality flows from lust stored in our heart. Theft flows from greed in our heart. Lying flows from deception in our heart. Slander maybe flows from jealousy in our heart. Jesus is showing us clear as day our heart is a game changer. It's the command central for our actions. The inner life of a person, the spiritual heart for Jesus, as we see, is a big, big deal. Flip over with me again a little bit farther in Matthew to chapter 20, 23. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus again is speaking to uh, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. Go with me to verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites. Again, we see that word hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and, in, and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. In biblical times, when Jesus was speaking here, tombs were regularly washed clean to make them stand out. They looked spectacular on the outside many times, almost ornate, beautiful. These religious leaders, Jesus is is putting them up against that. He says these religious leaders who looked so good on the outside were actually dead on the inside. Why was Jesus so passionate about this? Why was Jesus so, so enamored and so passionate about our hearts, what is going on on the inside? 
Because Jesus knows the consequences of an unclean heart. Jesus knows what happens and how an unclean heart can wreak havoc in our lives and in our relationships. So when we look at this, is there, we can ask the question, is there any hope for the human heart? Based on what the Bible says about who God is and what He's done for us, I think the answer is a resounding yes. Let's, uh, you know this verse back in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. In this verse, the prophet Ezekiel was writing to the nation of Israel, who was in exile, no longer living in the land that was promised to them. Giving them he was giving them hope for a future, describing the character of God, describing who God is. Yes, a new, transformed, and changed heart is what God does. That's who God is. And so, yes, A resounding yes, there is hope for the human heart. There is hope for each and every one of us. When our heart is changed, our desires change. And when our desires change, they can change the course of our life. But here's the key. God is the one that has to change our heart. God is the one that has to work inside of us. God is the one that does the impossible. His Spirit within us is what brings about true heart change. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is at work within us, continually changing our hearts. So what can we do? If God does the impossible, if God is the one who comes and changes our hearts, what's our part? What can we do? Well, if we go back to the the heart analogy, looking at our physical versus our spiritual heart, we said earlier there are symptoms often of an unhealthy physical heart, aren't there? We talked about those earlier. But then I think there are also symptoms of an unhealthy heart as well when it comes to our spiritual hearts. So I just identified just a few, three maybe primary symptoms of spiritual heart disease. Maybe I'll put it that way. I said maybe three primary symptoms of spiritual heart disease might show up as anger, could show up as greed, and could show up as jealousy. Maybe... You can relate to any one of these this morning. And so, what can we do, maybe, to combat these symptoms of spiritual heart disease? Well, I think each one of these symptoms has some actions that we can take for it. So, if we think about anger, maybe anger, maybe it's time for you to forgive. Maybe over this Christmas holiday, it's no secret that maybe family gatherings are not the most fun place for you. That's not a secret. Maybe there there are strained relationships within the family. Maybe there are strained uh, relationships between a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, whoever it may be, a friend, a co-worker. 
And maybe over this Christmas holiday, you've had to re-encounter some of those rocky relationships. Maybe you're, you're angry at someone in your family for something they've done in the past. Friends, I would say, don't let today end without showing forgiveness. Don't let today end without showing forgiveness. How do we do that? How do I I show forgiveness? How do I extend forgiveness to someone who has hurt me? It's easy. We shouldn't beat around the bush. We don't beat around the bush with forgiveness. We simply go to that person, and I've heard it said this way. This This is something I've adopted. You clearly express what has happened, and then you express forgiveness. So you go to that person and you say, you hurt me by blank. But then you say, but I forgive you. As Christians, as believers, we know that we are called to extend forgiveness to each and every one of those around us because as believers, we have experienced the greatest act of forgiveness the world has ever seen. And so maybe for you this morning, God is calling you to forgive Maybe this morning you're, you're suffering from another spiritual heart disease symptom of greed. Well, maybe this morning, maybe the, the, the answer to that is to give. Maybe you've noticed you've become tight-fisted with the things that God has entrusted to you. Maybe you've noticed it's becoming harder and harder for you to give freely what God has given you. So then today I say, don't let today end without being generous. Don't let today end without showing one of those random acts of kindness. And then maybe you're suffering from the spiritual heart disease symptom of jealousy. What is, a, what is an answer to jealousy? Well, maybe for you this morning, it's to celebrate. Maybe you've noticed that jealousy has taken over your heart. All you can see is what everyone else has and and all the things that they have. And it's come at the expense of forgetting what God has blessed you with. Maybe at this Christmas season, you heard stories at the family gathering of the new promotion that was given to someone at work or the Christmas bonus that they got at work or the new home that they just purchased. So then for you, I say, don't let today end without celebrating with them the blessings that God has given them. Every day, whatever it may be, maybe your spiritual heart suffers from something that's not one of these three. Every day, maybe do some uncomfortable, courageous acts like forgiving or giving or celebrating or whatever it may be. Make these daily exercises. Turn them into routines where you do the possible, where you do what you can and allow God's Spirit to do the rest in your heart. No doctor can force you to get your physical heart in shape. And God doesn't force us to do that with our spiritual heart either. But... God desires for each and every one of us to grow in the love and knowledge of who He is and what He's done for us. God desires for each and every one of us to have a spiritual heart 
that is not like the heart of the Pharisees, not like the heart that is cleaned on the outside but dead on the inside. God desires for each and every one of us to have a heart that is changed, a heart that is joy-filled, a heart that has been changed by Him. And so as we look upon the Christmas season, as we close out this Christmas season, we've celebrated Christ and His coming to this earth. Christ is not just needed for our hearts during the Christmas season. Christ isn't needed for today and our Christmas service that we had in the month of December. No, Christ is needed every single day for continual heart transformation. So during our time of response, just here in a few minutes, the worship team's going to come and lead us in a song. I would encourage you maybe just to spend those few moments in prayer. Maybe asking God, God, reveal to me where I have an unhealthy spiritual heart. God, reveal to me what has taken root in my heart this year. And ask Him, first for forgiveness, but then also ask Him for help. (laughs) Ask Him for the things that you need. God, help me to clean this unhealthy heart. And as we close out this Christmas season, as we've celebrated the birth of our Savior, maybe you've realized that you've never trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Man, what a day to do that. What a day to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Today could be that game changer for you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we are thankful this morning for who you are. God, we're thankful for the Christmas season. God, we are thankful for the reason that we have to celebrate. The reason that we have to celebrate that you came to this earth in the form of a helpless child. God, so that you might live on this earth a perfect life and ultimately die on a cross. God, that would be for the forgiveness of our sins. God, we celebrate that and we are thankful for that this morning. God, this morning for each and every one of us as we examine our own hearts. God, I pray that you would do a work in each and every one of us. God, that you would show us where our spiritual hearts have become unhealthy. God, where our spiritual hearts have become unclean. God, I pray that for each and every one of us that you would, God, do the work that only you can do in our lives. God, in changing our hearts each and every day. God, this morning again, we are thankful for our time together. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen.